All right, that's the liberal agenda, the leftist agenda. Glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show, toll-free. Our number's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Andrew Cuomo has a presser, and I have not done anything in my public career to be ashamed of. I am not going to resign. We will give you a full and complete report. That's Pelosi talking about H.R. 1. Why? Listen, H.R. 1, all this is, is to make every election a COVID 2020 style election. And what they want to now do is, is register everybody. You get automatic registration. This is what they want. They want a federal right to a mail-in ballot with no excuse necessary. Now, for, forgetting the part that H.R. 1 would federalize election rules, uh, yeah, that's the constitutional role of state legislatures. If you were thinking about that part, you would be absolutely correct and would then un- basically take longstanding practice constitutional law and end all security measures whatsoever. Uh, and let me tell you what this is going to end in. Nobody will ever have confidence in the results of any election moving forward. And that, by the way, go back to the, the Baker Commission post uh, uh, twenty two post 2000 election and the Democrats and the Republicans. And they all said bad idea. New York Times, all this mail in ballot, bad idea. So what they want to do here is everybody's automatically registered Now, to get registered, you don't need any form of voter ID whatsoever as a condition of even obtaining an absentee ballot with zero signature verification. State laws requiring mail votes to be notarized, witnessed, uh, et cetera. Now, we'll get rid of that idea, too. Late arriving ballots, they'll they'll postmark them as long as it's postmarked on time are going to be valid for 10 days after Election Day. Felons can vote. You name it. It's in there. And this would result in more chaos, more confusion, anger and zero confidence in what the results are going to be. Now, they can wrap it around anything they want, but that does not negate the fact of what I what it is. I just told you, because that is what this bill is entirely put together for. So if you're in the state legislature, and this is where people that ask me all the time, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I can tell you what you can do is you better get in touch with your local state legislatures and you need to tell them to make sure that they reform election laws, not to not, not to tip the balance of an election, just the opposite to instill integrity in the election process. Uh, If you need voter ID to get into the Capitol building of every state and into the the U.S. Capitol, if you need voter ID to get into a Democratic National Convention, if you need a photo ID when you're driving an automobile, then you ought to need some type of voter ID to make sure it's the before an election. And I'll tell you one other thing. Uh, All of this early voting. Now, there are people that are going to be out of town, out of the country that want to participate in the voting process. They should be given that opportunity. There are other people that, for whatever health reasons, may be confined to their home. You know, they can't do what they did in Wisconsin, which was set up in a park and 
say, uh, yeah, you can register here to say that you are not capable of leaving your house on Election Day, but you have to leave your house to register to get the ballot that says you can't leave your home. It's, I mean, that's how insane it got up there. And if you're going to have partisan observers, it's written into the statutory language of election laws. Uh, they ought to be able to observe and not from 70 feet away in need of binoculars and still not be able to see anything if they're even allowed in at all. So it's this is a big, big deal. And you might want to also contact your United States senator because they're trying to ram this through, especially if you're in Utah. You may want to call Mitt Romney. If you're in Alaska, you might want to call Lisa Murkowski. If you're in Nebraska, you might want to call Ben Sass the jackass. Um but that I mean, honestly, that's that that is a big, big, big deal. Uh, we'll get to this Cuomo issue with all this new tape coming up. Um, I want to start, you know, I, I, I really don't understand this. Now, Democrats are all up in arms because of the fact that Governor Abbott, who I happen to be very fond of, I think he's been a great governor for the state of Texas. You know, if you look at the states that did so much better than New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Michigan and California with COVID, you look to the Republican states, Texas, and then and every state had their moment where things got tough. But that was the entire world. Everybody had tough times. Uh, DeSantis in Florida, Christy Nome, uh, you know, there's some of the better known, but there are, there are other governors more quiet, more demure about it, not as outspoken. They don't take much to the to the national public uh, limelight in any way, which I think they, they're missing an opportunity to do so. So we now know that with this problem at the border that they're denying, the Biden administration's denying, we now know that the thousands of illegal immigrants who are expected, based on it's Joe's invitation, come to America, uh, are now infected with covid yeah, we have this report. More than 100 illegal immigrants released by Border Patrol into Texas since late January have tested positive for the coronavirus following their arrival. Now, we've seen the migrant caravans recently making their way to the border. They're saying, you can come, but just don't come right now. We're not ready right now. Oh, okay. Well, if that's 100, uh, I don't see a lot of social distancing and I don't see a lot of mask wearing, but now they feign outrage at, at Governor Abbott and the governor of Mississippi for opening up their states because people uh, want to get back to work and back to life and back to their business. Now, I would urge everybody to be careful. You know, if you're going to be around people and you might have been exposed to wear your mask if you have to, you know, if it's appropriate, if you need to socially distance, do that. Protect grandma, grandpa in particular, you know, older people. Use common sense. Everybody knows what the rules are. Whatever whatever risk you want to take and you're willing to take for yourself, that's different. But when it affects other people, we ask that you be thoughtful Americans, and most people are thoughtful. Anyway, so they've been released. They have this percentage rate. That's 6.3% of the number of total migrants, illegal immigrants, rapid tested at the city's main bus station, where they're being released by the Border Patrol. <laughs> you can't make this up, I'll tell you that. And after, you know, then they, you know, after Border Patrol release, then they test positive for COVID. Unreal. It's just, you can't make that up. And now they're seeking asylum 
in America. Well, would have been nice if they followed Joe's mask mandate as they were illegally crossing the border and not respecting our laws, sovereignties and, and borders here. You know, meanwhile, Biden yesterday calling fighting COVID a wartime effort, a national crisis. But there's no crisis at the border and people's lives are at stake. Yeah, no kidding, Joe. Why don't you state the obvious? Donald Trump handed you three vaccines. Get them out there and tell your dopey, dumb Democratic governors to get their their act together and their ass in gear and figure out a way to get these shots in people's arms because they're incapable of doing it, apparently. Ron DeSantis down in Florida, you go to your local Publix for crying out loud and you're getting your your vaccine. Biden says he's hopeful life will be back to normal this time next year. Next year? Next year? What are you talking about next year? How about this year? Anyways, now they're building another 20,000 beds. They won't let any media inside of these cargo storage containers with bars on the window. And now the projection is 117,000 unaccompanied child migrants crossing the border. Well, there's going to be up to 20,000 in May alone for crying out loud. They're anticipating. Why? Because Joe's saying, come to America, especially if you're young. Because we're going to let you in and let you be a citizen and give you amnesty. We just hope you vote Democrat for the rest of your life. Then you got this deadly uh, California crash. Anybody notice what happened? ICE announced yesterday that they're conducting the uh, uh, agents that were conducting a human smuggling investigation at the scene of a devastating crash. 13 people dead, eight others injured. And we had uh, human smugglers, 25 illegal immigrants, jammed into one single SUV. How do you jam 25 people into a single SUV? But that's open borders. That's not enforcing our nation's laws. Biden administration arguing that the the surge is a challenge, but it's not a crisis. Well, we had a guy on yesterday said, no, it's a crisis. Smugglers pushing, you know, triple digit groups of families and children across the border. And then what are we doing? Well, Biden and Obama built the kids in cages with a barbed wire. And then they blame, they took video from the Biden-Obama years and they played it in 2018, not in 2014 when they built it. Then they blame Trump for it. I'm sorry. Now the number's up to 15 killed in California. Good grief. Unbelievable. 25 people in, in one well, actually, no, it was 28. I misread. So I'm sorry. 28 people in one SUV, 117,000 unaccompanied kids. What do you think that means? That means they're going to get to be allowed to stay, and then their parents will be allowed to stay. I mean, it's unreal. And migrants are wearing Biden T-shirts. And, the, and they won't let anybody in the media get in the storage containers. Imagine Donald Trump put in these ship storage containers kids with bars on the window, but and then Trump said, yeah, but we've got butterfly paintings on the walls. Oh, how comforting for the kids that can't see outside. There's a report out, justthenews.com, that uh, Biden likes to get home every night by 7 o'clock so he can get ready for night-night time. I wonder if anyone reads Hop on Pop or Green Eggs and Ham in the White House. You know that Biden, Obama... Kamala Harris, Michelle, all praise, Dr. Seuss, all of them. And, and, and Obama even going as far as saying, 
Yeah, no, no, everything you need to learn about life, you learn from Dr. Seuss. Wow. Wait till you see this new book. It actually says Biden won the, the White House by putting your dumb uncle in the basement strategy. I'm glad you're with us. 800 941 Sean, you want to be a part of the program. There's a new book out. What's interesting about it, it's, it's not written by anybody you'd know in conservative media. The authors, one guy's name is Jonathan Allen, NBC News. Amy uh, Parnas, writing for The Hill. And they talk about how the stars align for Joe Biden, previous two-time loser, presidential hopeful, uh, and succeeded on the third try despite himself. Lucky how Joe Biden barely won the presidency. It's actually very, it's just interesting observations to me. And it's, there's very few people, it seems, besides myself and a couple of others that are willing to say what's so clearly obvious, and that is that President Biden won the White House. Well, we have other issues, election associated issues that need to be resolved, in my opinion, to restore integrity and confidence to our process. But putting that aside for a minute, because coronavirus let him stay hidden in the basement and protected his campaign from its biggest liability. That would be Joe Biden. It says the Biden camp ran partly on the strategy of You put your dumb uncle in the basement. This is not a right wing book here referring to the Democratic candidate. Um, Even former President Obama initially refused to support. They write in the book is 78 year old ex-vice president and friend worried that, you know, he could become a bit of a tragic figure character of an aging politician having a last hurrah, if not protected from himself, the book says. Um, and by the way, they talk about the Trump campaign having been caught off guard. Uh, they, they have some Republican, I guess, Trump campaign insiders in here and, and quote, until the COVID thing came, Trump's campaign thought they were winning 400 electoral votes. I actually believe that probably would have been accurate according to internal numbers that they had. Uh, Anita Dunn allegedly told an associate they report in the book that COVID was the best thing that happened to him. Mid-March, Biden's team converted the basement of his home into a makeshift studio. This is the basement bunker where he could safely issue statements. They used coronavirus as an excuse to keep him in the basement. And it was smart. A Trump advisor's quoted as telling the authors Biden was able to hide his biggest weakness, which is himself, and he did it with an excuse that sounded responsible. Then they talk about more detail. It's just an interesting read to me, you know, because there's not many people willing to just state the obvious anymore. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. So the report goes, justthenews.com, even C- I guess they cited CNN, fake news. Uh, maybe they got it right for once stated that the president regularly returns to his private residence at 7 p.m. each day and is more of an early-to-bed type than both Obama and Trump. Okay, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm an anomaly. I don't think I am. Maybe I am. But uh, I wouldn't be able to fall asleep at 7 p.m., ever in my life 
and I'm uh, granted my my schedule is a little different than the average person. Seven o'clock. I don't know any kids that start thinking about going to bed at seven o'clock. Even young kids stay up past seven o'clock. Uh, what time does Lee? Well, Lee, Liam's a lot like his uncle Sean. He doesn't like to sleep very much, does he? That would be very accurate. <laughs> uh, but anyway, seven o'clock, man. <laughs> oh my gosh! You need to rest to get ready to do nothing. It's very hard to do nothing. He, and and he still looks exhausted. Uh, no show, Joe. Poor guy. No show, Joe. No show. Nothing up top. Weak, not out front. Frail. Cognitively struggling, and people get mad at me for saying it. I think he just failed. Now I wouldn't say struggling. Well, you're being very nice. Yeah, I got it. But let me put it this way: it's you know his latest gaffes. I mean, he's he's clearly it's he's a little over a month into the jump here. We're not talking. I don't know. I don't see him really exerting, not doing press conferences, not doing a State of the Union yet. It's March. You know, plans to do one. Not doing uh, much. He's not doing a hell of a lot of traveling. Looked exhausted for the few little trips he had down to Texas. Seemed like a bit much for him. I guess Air Force One's going to get a pretty big rest these next couple of however long, I guess, he's, his term is here. Um, anyway, I mean, I don't wish him any, I want the country to do well. He lost the needed tandem thing, but that was a slam dunk. Um, anyway, Clyburn is pushing the Senate to, to, to get rid of the legislative filibuster. He's saying, otherwise it will deny people civil rights. People of color will not be quiet on this issue. And he had one, one person saying they might use reconciliation on reparations. That was said. Democrats now jump-starting their gun control efforts. Here we go. Bills introduced. Majority Whip Clyburn, Mike Thompson. They want to expand background gun checks. We already have them. Would expand how long the FBI can delay a sale before completing from 3 to 20 days. Wow. So much for your Second Amendment rights. They're coming for Yeah, hell yeah, we're coming for your guns. Bozo O'Rourke. Uh, now senators are pushing for COVID checks to continue until COVID is history. How about we open up the country? And another story, you got another senator uh, and and one Democratic senator, one, I'm sorry, one representative, one senator announcing Tuesday they're introducing legislation to set up a plan to make Puerto Rico a state. Everything we told you that they would do. AOC calls the minimum wage debate embarrassing and uh, Donald Trump supported is supporting Senator Tim Scott, who we like a lot on this show. I like Senator Scott. Biden won the White House. But it's like the put your dumb uncle in the basement strategy. Ouch. That's a little that's a little painful. Um, anyway, yeah, near attendant did not belong. Taking that position. I've accepted her withdrawal. Yeah, well, you really didn't have any choice. One interesting side note, Lisa Murkowski gave an interview to The Hill and said that they never even asked her if she would be open to considering the nomination, which might have countered Joe Manchin's vote on this. Biden administration has eased pressure on communist China, according to Senator Ted Cruz. Does that surprise you? 
Why wouldn't they? They have such a good relationship, the Bidens, with China. The $1.5 billion Bank of China deal, $100,000 shopping spree for zero experience Hunter. Speaking of Hunter, Attorney General Merrick Garland says he hasn't discussed the case with President Biden and that the ongoing criminal probe is active. I, I have no hope that we have equal justice or application of our laws in this country anymore. I just don't. None whatsoever. All right. Now, Andrew Cuomo speaks. I want to play him from earlier today. He did nothing, if you believe him, absolutely nothing wrong ever in his public career that he is ashamed of. He's not going to resign. But listen, I'm not in this business to make people uh, feel uncomfortable. I'm here to make them to help them. That's the essence of what I do, what I do. Um, the, uh, I do not believe I have ever done anything in my public career that, uh, I, uh, am ashamed of. I don't think today is a day for politics. Uh, I wasn't elected by politicians. I was elected by the people of the state of New York. Uh, I'm not going to resign. Uh, I work for the people of the state of New York. They elected me, and I'm going to serve the people of the state of New York. And by the way, we have a full plate. We have COVID. We have recovery. We have rebuilding. We have a teetering New York City. We have a terrible financial picture. We have to do vaccines. Uh, So, no. Um, uh, I'm going to do the job the people of the state elected me to do. Yeah, the I Believer caucus, they've been so tepid and timid or even outright silent in all of this. Here's the interesting thing. New York Post had a piece on this. How Cuomo has been quick to call for the resignations of powerful Albany lawmakers accused of sexually harassing aides. Vito Lopez, Mika Kellner, Dennis uh, uh, Kaprasak. I don't know how you say his last name, but, but he won't do the same with Kavanaugh. Same thing with Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh needs to take a lie detector test. I believe the accuser. I believe. Not so long ago, demanded two assembly members immediately deny allegations of sexual harassment or resign. Well, is he going to take a is he going to take a lie detector test himself? Considering he did that, 2012, he demanded Brooklyn Assemblyman Vito Lopez resign from his post after two female aides accused him of. Pretty much the same thing. Sexual harassment at the workplace cannot be tolerated in any shape or form, these allegations. And if true, the governor believes he should resign. Well, I mean, that's the case. Why doesn't he apply the same standard? This is what's fascinating about this. You know, Biden, Harris, they all go AWOL on, on this. Now, Joe's got his own problem here. Because we've already played for you, Tara Reid. We played for you uh, this woman from, I believe, Nevada, Flores, her allegations against Joe Biden. So I guess they got to, is anyone going to ask, circle back Jen Psaki, uh, whether or not she'll circle back and give us an answer about whether or not Joe believes now that he wants an investigation into Cuomo, there should be one into him? If Andrew Cuomo goes down, uh, How do we not apply the same standard to Joe Biden? How does Joe Biden not apply the same standard to himself, for that matter? 
because he's been credibly accused, not just of sexual harassment, in one case, a brutal sexual assault by Tara Reid. We've seen the photo now of Cuomo manhandling a, a young woman in the middle of a wedding reception. I, I mean, who puts their hands around somebody's neck like that and kisses them? I mean, it's bizarre. And you got the picture of the hands around the neck of that girl. I mean, it's, oh, man. We have enough creepy Joe videos out there sniffing hair, rubbing backs, uncomfortably touching, uncomfortably getting in people's faces, uncomfortably kissing, like, on the, I mean, it's, ah, it just all grosses me out. Compared to, I guess, Biden, Andrew, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe we ought to investigate both of them. It's amazing how silent Kamala Harris is. She was the biggest I believer of them all. Let me play Tara Reid for you. Here's what Tara Reid said about Joe Biden. And he had me um, against the wall. And then his hands were down my skirt and up my skirt. And I was wearing, um, I wasn't wearing face or anything. He was trying to kiss me and I was pulling away. And what I remember of that time is, is feeling really shocked, a surprise, because there was no real conversation right beforehand i was obviously pulling away and he pulled back and said you know come on man i heard you liked me should that be investigated where are the i believers they ignored it ignored it completely interesting polls out now i mean uh media research center shows the media's failure to properly cover andrew cuomo and the, even on the covid nursing home despicable scandal while all these people died unnecessarily and anyway when americans learn about the neglect and his exec his his executive order his favorability after learning about it goes down to 25 percent and 65 percent unfavorable it's amazing the media has protected him in new york so much that he's gotten away from that the aide whose wedding led to the photo of Cuomo grabbing the woman's head has now resigned from the COVID task force, according to FoxNews.com. It's after the third woman has made allegations against Cuomo. Calls for his resignation grow louder, not just Democratic state legislators, but now the Working Families Party. They've now said his reign of fear, harassment, intimidation cannot continue. The party said we are calling on Governor Cuomo to resign immediately. Cuomo has now lost his emergency powers as uh, the scandal has engulfed his administration. The nursing home sexual harassment scandals now have completely engulfed Cuomo. And now Democrats, not Republicans, top Democrats, they agreed to strip Governor Cuomo of emergency powers granted to him during the pandemic. And all the media that was out there kissing his ass the whole time during COVID as Donald Trump was busy actually building the hospitals, converting them to COVID-19 capability, thousands and thousands of beds, including the hospital ship. 80% of these beds remain empty as he's signing this order to send them back to nursing homes. Unbelievable. It was a teaming up of Nancy Pelosi with Cuomo for a message on sexual assault. Doesn't look so good at a 2015 event. Too many women who are sexually assaulted. Join New York Governor Cuomo to discuss why enough is enough. All talk. 
Schumer has now finally weighed in. The Mr. I-Believer himself say this very serious and troubling. Hey, Chucky, do you do you believe the accusers? Well, somebody in the New York media asked that simple question. Do you believe the accusers? Simple question. Somebody asked, you know, Kamala Harris, the same question. Ask Joe Biden the same question. Do you believe the accusers? Ask that question. One that's going after Cuomo the most is arch nemesis, comrade de Blasio. He can't govern. He should have resigned if this is true. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so they remove these executive powers. Oh, then you got Joyless Behar. How does Meghan McCain do this job every day? I have no idea. I actually knew Meghan McCain. I met her when her dad was running for president. It's very nice. She worked at Fox for a while. We were colleagues in radio for a while. Um, I don't I, I probably she's more left to center than I am. But so what? Or more center than I am. I'm more conservative. Anyway, she's got the her and I felt sorry. I always felt sorry for Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Like, man, you put yourself in this environment. I used to do that show. Linda, remember when I was stupid enough to get up and do these dopey morning shows? The Today Show, GMA, um, The View. How dumb? Well, why did I do that? What was what was I possibly thinking at the time when I said yes to those interviews? I think you were still asleep, personally. <laughs> I think if you go back and look at the tapes, you might agree. I might, I might agree. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. So much news to get to. But that music, that sound, that, that unique sound that can only mean one thing, Leonard Skinnerd and Simple Man, which means all things BillOReilly.com. Uh, Mr. O'Reilly, sir, how are you? Welcome to the program. I'm overworked, Kennedy. I'm overworked. <laughs> you, you know, you're not overworked. <laughs> Where can I file a claim? I want to file a claim. What? Because you're on you're on for one segment a week. Oh, excuse me for putting no, you through the, got, the trauma of I got of, my of, TV thing on BillO'Reilly.com. I got my radio thing. You know, <laughs> this is the highlight. Talking to you is the exactly. highlight. Exactly. Sure. It no makes doubt. you happy. It. it I actually get to humanize you. Because people and that's not think, an easy thing to do. No, it's it's actually it's called Mission Impossible. Let's, let's be blunt here. Yeah, you got to um, go to school for that. <laughs> I, I, I've been studying it for years now. It's, I've got a doctorate in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's. I got a lot I want to ask you about this week. I want to start with the opening uh, of Texas, Mississippi, these other states. Look at how great Florida is doing. Look at the mess that is New York, New Jersey, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Oh, look at Gavin Newsom. He goes into a restaurant. Restaurants are closed. Oh, but I didn't eat anything. And (laughs) you can't make this crap up. Anyway, here's Governor Abbott. So today, I'm issuing a new executive order that rescinds most of the earlier executive orders. Effective next Wednesday, all businesses of any type are allowed to open 100%. That includes any type of entity in Texas. Also, I am ending the statewide mask mandate. All right, the mask mandate goes. Uh, Bill O'Reilly thoughts uh 
I would have done the same thing had I been the governor of Texas and in Austin. Um, but I also would have tacked on, we advise people to continue wearing the masks, especially if you're in crowds. And we advise you not to go into crowds. So di- a distance. But I think that the time has come to open up the economy. That will lead to higher COVID cases. No doubt it will. So you'll see a spike in Texas. But with the vaccine now zipping in real quick, that'll be mitigated. So rather than wait another two or three weeks where small business owners are are just getting murdered, I think Abbott did the right thing. I think he did, too. And I I would use, look, Bill, uh, people are smart. We don't give people credit. And everybody now knows about masks. Everybody knows the risks about social distancing. We know the risk about driving a car and getting in an airplane. So everybody knows what the rules are. Now now individual Americans living in a free society will decide how much risk they want to take on, which, by the way, people in nursing homes weren't able to do. Um, And I agree with you now. On the vaccine, you and I both have said um, when my number finally gets called, I will get the vaccine. It's not been called. Bill, they're not calling. They're not knocking down my door to give me the vaccine. Yeah, Cuomo said no vaccine to Hannity. <laughs> not I at have, all. As a matter of fact, I if you have, have it, cough on him, right? Yeah. Now, Cuomo has, has put state troopers, that, you don't know this, but about a quarter of a mile away from your house. So there's not going to be any vaccine for you. He's lucky I'm um, still here. Because I yeah. ought to take all my tax money that I give this state every year, and I ought to get the hell out of here, and you should too. Just saying. Well, I hope I don't have to, but I might. But I did get the vaccine, um, and I understand that I could still have some kind of bacteria that I pass on to someone else, even though it wouldn't affect me. I wouldn't get ill. Um, so I'll still be very um responsible i think that's the right word but you said something uh interesting you said that people are smart have you ever watched cnn hannity have you ever seen oh that is so that is that? such a checkmate i have no answer for that <laughs> yeah. I, I i concede the point i tap Thank out you. so you know it's all about getting drunk that's what it's about <laughs> people, people won't tell you this but I'm being serious now that that people go and they get loaded and they stagger around and they do things they wouldn't do. This has been going on since the cavemen. But when you have a pandemic, and so I was interested to see DeSantis and the uh, authorities in Miami, which they're, they're sane in Dade County. So look, we know we're going to have a lot of people coming down for spring break. So here's the deal. Uh, you can't bring booze on the beach. Excellent. All right. Smart. We have a midnight curfew in Miami, so you can't stay out all night because you're going to get loaded. It's all about that. And there are some people who are just selfish and stupid and not a good combination who will do high-risk things, and then will spread the disease. So I think that it's the end of the cycle for COVID. I think by May, this will be, you know, pretty much on a run. Can I just tell you something, though, Bill? I'm going to be honest. I'm not afraid of COVID. I'm in great shape. I train an hour and a half a day, as you know, and and I work out hard. I, I don't have, I, well, I have one minor little health thing that would, would probably put me higher on the list, but, I, but I'm not going to do that. And I'm not afraid of it like so many others are, but here's why I wear the mask. If I ever had it and didn't know I had it, I would never want to get anyone else sick. That's how I yeah. feel about it. 
That's right. That's, that's not my main reason. That way. And, you know, most people, not most, many people are very self-centered. Uh, they're going to do what they want to do. So when Abbott and Mississippi did the same thing and other states will follow that, there should always be, look, we're going to let everybody open up. We know it's crippling small business. We want our state to get back quickly to the uh, to a good economic place. But please be responsible. That's all. All right. I got to ask Bill O'Reilly, now that I have you on the line, now that you're working so hard um, and I'm taking all of your time away from you, your precious time. Um, but a serious question about cancel culture, wokeness. It's, I never knew I'd know such a word. Start. Let's go. Let's go back to last week. Last week it was Mister and Mrs. Potato Head. Now it's Potato Head. Now it's Doctor Seuss. Right. And look, I, I I'm not, I can't say verbatim. I've looked at what the New York Post put in today in terms of what people find so offensive um, about Doctor Seuss. I, I if I'm have to, if I have to have a hard time figuring it out myself. And not seeing it, it's not that transparent. And Kamala Harris and Michelle Obama and Barack Obama all praised Dr. Seuss. And Joe Biden had recommended Dr. Seuss. It's not like it's that obvious to anybody, right? And the question is, this this is getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, you know, and and, you and Bill Maher, who I don't like, I don't like him. But I've always defended his right to be controversial. Always stuck up for him. You know, Bill Maher is right. It's that this is going to get really ugly and bad for everybody. This plays into the totalitarian left strategy of knocking out free speech. It's a bigger picture than just the cancel culture. So if you are publishing the books of Dr. Seuss, uh, written in 1920 or 30, and Dr. Seuss puts in something that's offensive today. You take it out of the book. You can edit books. They're easily edited. And then you keep the book because it's of value to children, but take out whatever passage you find offensive. That's easy. You don't have to cancel Dr. Seuss or Mr. Potato Head or anybody else. Okay? But this pattern is driven by one one group, and the progressives are driving it. You don't see this on the right. Think about that. You don't see the cancel culture, the political correctness, all of this social justice stuff on the right. It doesn't exist. It's coming from one place, and that place, I call them Maoists because of the Cultural Revolution in, in China. Um, it's coming from we are going to obliterate any kind of American tradition. Now, there is no human being, there is no writer, there is no composer, there is no one whose resume is perfect. Christy Noem put it very well at CPAC on Saturday. She said, you evaluate people on the greater good, what they did for the country as opposed to their personal failings. Thomas Jefferson was a slaveholder. He should not have been, in my opinion. All right. However, the good that he did for mankind and providing freedom, the framework for freedom for billions of people, override that. You don't cancel Thomas Jefferson. This is just common sense. But when you are hell-bent in destroying an entire culture, as the progressive left is, they want to destroy every part of our culture. 
This is the mechanism they are now using. We're going to cancel O'Reilly. We'll cancel Hannity. We'll cancel Fox News. We'll cancel everybody. You see, Bill, you, you know what the difference is, is we've known about this our entire careers, or at least I have my entire career. I've been dealing with this. You've been dealing with this. Yeah. There are people that spend tens and even at this point, hundreds of millions of dollars monitoring conservative voices that they disagree with politically in the hopes that they'll get one thing, one phrase, one sentence, one imperfect moment that they can then use to weaponize politically sure. and bludgeon them off the air or deplatform well is their new term. And these people are very well paid for yep. doing this. Okay. And unless we have people protecting us, they'll get us. They'll pick us off. The only, right? I'm going to tell you the only reason that we've survived as long as we have. And that's the audience. The, audience has, the audience has protected us. Because I'll never forget, and it blew me away, when there was the latest attempt, I don't remember, there's been so many of them, Bill, I mean, it's almost one a day now, but the, the latest big attempt to, to start an advertising boycott, I had nothing to do with this, Bill. Unbeknownst to me, all these videos, Kerrig Coffee Maker had, had sent out a tweet agreeing to this boycott of some, for some reason, and everybody started killing their their Kerrig machines, golf clubs well, dropped from happen. balconies, shotguns, hockey sticks, baseball bats. I mean, it's, the videos were hilarious. Now, the way it ended was this. Kerrig pulled back, and then anybody that could show us that they, they stuck up for me and ruined their coffee machine, um, I bought them a new one. How much, Linda, how many did we buy total? We ordered about 600 of those Keurigs um, back in uh, 2017. So she, so we, we bought all of those coffee machines, Bill. All of them. No the people, And that was my way of saying, you know what? Wow, you blew me away. You stood up. You, you right. didn't have to do that. Thank you. But consider this. That happened, and I remember it well, I think five years, six years ago. Yeah. Now... The far left progressives have figured out, yeah, Hannity and O'Reilly might be able to mobilize people, so it's not as easy to boycott. So now we're going to get the social media in Silicon Valley to do it for us. We'll silence their voices so they can't rally the folks. It's more dangerous, isn't it, Bill? Well, that's the newest strategy. Use this social media to censor People we disagree with will use them as surrogates so that if they want to fight back, they're not going to be able to. And who's the best example of that? I think it would be President Trump. You know, Bill, I, I will tell you this. I don't want to cancel anybody's show. And I, I, now I'll tell you what I do when I see shows I don't like. I don't watch them. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, you know, when you think of all the choices and options, look, I say three hours a day, every day, that's all I ask on radio, one little hour at night on Hannity on TV. I can't force people to watch and listen. The best thing I can do, and what I try to do every day to the best of my ability, and, and, and that is to do the best shows I can, you know, inform, entertain, news you're not going to get from the media mob. That, that's what we do every day. And, and I've been very blessed with a great career, but it comes from the audience, and the support of the audience is... It's incalculable. We don't succeed without it. But yeah, listen, I'm worried, I, I, though. I'm, I'm worried that the social media stuff 
is going to cut down on the audience's ability to hear us. Yeah, so just I think you're right. That is a big worry that I have. Stay and the right other there, thing Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, all things BillOReilly.com. Um, if you if you want to talk to the simple man himself, feel free. My last yeah. question to Bill O'Reilly is this: Does Andrew Cuomo survive this? He's not going to run for a fourth term. Uh, he's not going to resign. Um, I don't think they'll boot him on the uh, on the misconduct stuff, but the FBI on the nursing home stuff. That is a bigger problem for him. All right, Bill O'Reilly, thank you. What time's your news program tonight? No spin news. BillOReilly.com begins at six. All right, all things Bill O'Reilly. BillOReilly.com. By the way, if you miss it at six, you can see it at seven. Any other time except nine to ten. Sorry, that's not allowed. Uh, we'll see you next week, Bill. Thank you. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, our toll free number. When we come back. Congressman Ralph Norman and Congressman Tom McClintock, uh, and they're talking about the looming threat of H.R. 1. It is a real clear present danger. If you want free and fair voting with integrity, that you'll have confidence in results in. Straight ahead. 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Let me tell you why the bill the Democrats are pushing in the House today is so dangerous. And I mean it is dangerous it's called hr1 you've heard me talking about it it's got basically is packed with provisions that would bypass our own constitution state legislatures uh and their ability to provide the means and methods for voting in their particular state uh and off the bat would be unconstitutional in my opinion because it would federalize the election rules and frankly, longstanding practices it would end security measures, integrity, competence in the ballot. In other words, take 2020 and jack it up on as much testosterone and human growth hormone as possible, because that's what it would do. It would create a federal right to a mail-in ballot. No excuse needed whatsoever. It would expand out voting, I guess, pretty much into perpetuity. You can start voting now for 2024. It's nuts. Registered voters wouldn't be made to submit to any form of voter ID as a condition of obtaining even an absentee ballot. There'll be no signature verification or affirmation at all. State laws requiring mail votes to be notarized, signed by witnesses, would be trumped. Late arriving uh, ballots, if postmarked on time, would be valid for nationwide for 10 days after the election day. Um, felons would be given the right to vote. Everybody would be registered automatically and it would never it will create more chaos. And frankly, from my standpoint, eliminate any hope of ever having confidence and integrity in our election system ever again. It's a bad idea. Now, why are the Democrats trying to do this now? Because they see it works to their advantage. No voter ID. I, I, to get into a Democratic convention, you need ID. To get into the Capitol, you need voter. You need some type of, of identification. All right. So this this is a all this is, is let's figure out how many people that we can get to vote. And it's OK if you're not really supposed to vote. We won't know. 
That's that's what this bill does. Doesn't lend any credibility, integrity, or confidence in the system. This is Nancy Pelosi talking about it. We have plenty of work to do in the Joe Biden administration. We're going to build the infrastructure of America in a green way. Uh, we're going to um, make sure health care is available to all Americans, lower the cost of prescription drugs. We're going to have HR1, HR1 right off the bat, be about... Uh, cleaner government so that we can reduce the role of big, dark, special interest money that prevents us from having uh, policies that the American people need and uh, and are uh, have doubts that we can do unless we reduce the role of big, dark money. And then we'll have a, a big government form group that will determine the veracity and truthfulness of ads of candidates made up, you know, who will be the arbiters of such now, it should be candidates monitoring it themselves. That's what it should be, but it won't be. Now, I'll tell you this. It's it's uh, their own playbook. Republicans are racist. Republicans are sexist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, transphobic. Add that now to the list. Uh, they want dirty air and water. They want grandma and grandpa in a wheelchair to be thrown over a cliff by some Waskily Republican. That's what they want. Anyway, fighting back against this, we have Congressman Ralph Norman and also with us, Congressman Tom McClintock with us. Uh, thank you both for being here. Am, am I Tom McClintock? Am I describing this right, the right way? Oh, I, I think so. And we've got, we've got to understand what they're doing to the system. You remember the days when we would all wait until the campaigns were over Every candidate had their say. Then on a single day, we called it election day for a reason. We went to the local polling place. It was usually in, in a neighbor's garage or a local elementary school or the fire station around the corner. We all took the time because we knew it was important. We brought our children to watch the process, and we taught them to respect it. We looked our neighbors on the precinct board in the eye as we identified ourselves and signed the voter roll. They handed us our ballot. We took that into a curtained booth where nobody could look over our shoulder. Nobody could pressure us to vote a certain way. Not a family member, not a friend, not a precinct worker. It was up to us. We cast our vote according to our own conscience. We then handed it right back to the neighbor who put it in a locked ballot box. And uh, at 8 o'clock, the polls closed. We knew exactly how many votes had been cast. And by 10 o'clock, we knew who the winners were. Look at what the Democrats have done to destroy that system. Now they're sending this, this bill would send out ballots to every name on the ballot, uh, every name on the voter rolls, including those that they know have moved or died years ago. They're then followed up by ballot harvesters to collect those ballots. There's no chain of custody from the time uh, they're put in the mail until the time they're uh, returned. Uh, they've taken the uh, uh, all of the anti-fraud measures we had out of the law. Even if that doesn't result in fraud, and it will, uh, it certainly destroys the perception of legitimacy. I think it's just so dangerous, and I think you described it perfectly, Congressman Ralph Norman. Well, you know, Sean, Democrats are good at naming uh, bills. You know, for the People Act is laughable. It's against the People Act. I mean, who would have thought, Sean, that the federal government it, it wants to take over under this bill our, uh, our voting process? It eliminates our whole uh, voter integrity. And as Tom mentioned, I mean, a six-to-one match you can put up $200 for a candidate, and, and the government can match it uh, for $1,200. Uh, 
uh, to think that no voter ID, to think that uh, they would register uh, convicted felons. And I tell you, the, the sad part about this is what's happening at the border. Every illegal, and they say 11 million, it's going to be more like 15 to 20. They're going to uh, get a driver's license and uh, and register them to vote. That's the that's the Democrat. Well, you don't even need, uh, you don't, but it's, they're going to make it, you don't even need a driver's license. That's the point. Yeah. Well, you don't even need to register to vote. You just show up on election day what or mail in your ballot. Oh, and, and, and say an election day, you, you can register on election day. Great. We have a lot of time to vet you. And, Tom, they want to, and just like Tom was mentioned, Sean, they want to make it like New York, uh, which is a liberal state. We had, on November 3rd, that was the day we cast our ballot. We just found out about Claudia Tenney winning. Uh, this is February. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's so brazen and radical. And uh, it's time for the Senate. It's going to pass the House, unfortunately, but the Senate uh, should reject every part of this. There's nothing that's good about this bill. It's, this will eliminate uh, voter integrity as we have known it. Is there no Democrat at all that sees the danger in this? Not one, not a single Democrat there, Tom? Well, you know, there are Democrats used to. The, the, the Baker Commission, which is a bipartisan commission, uh, noted the, uh, the, the, the in, greatly increased chance for fraud uh, in a, uh, a mail-in ballot system. Uh, so, yeah, there, there once were Democrats who were concerned about it. Not so much anymore. But I think every rank-and-file Democrat ought to be concerned because it's, you know, every fraudulent vote disenfranchises an honest citizen. Uh, and when you're setting the, the potential for thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of fraudulent votes, uh, that's an awful lot of honest citizens who are now disenfranchised. That's a, these are pretty scary times. Uh, all right, let's see what the Senate does. As long as Joe Manchin and Cinema and, and I guess I have to worry about Murkowski and, and Mitt Romney and Ben Sass, the jackass, but as long as they hold in the Senate, they'll be fine. Thank you both for being here. 800-941-SHOT. I've been telling you, this is bad stuff. Becky is in Michigan. Hey, Becky, how are you? Thank you so much for taking my call, Sean. I just have to tell you, I have so much I could talk to you about because I listen to your show every day. But I want to say that I miss Rush so much. I list, miss listening to him on my lunch break. He taught me so much. I know. Um, but we I all miss him. You, I am done with the cancel culture. I love Dr. Seuss, and I'm tired of everything for my childhood being canceled because somebody is offended by it. So... It just it needs to stop. I canceled Facebook about two weeks ago, and I've never been happier. So I, I listen. I, I'm telling you, getting off social media. What I've noticed is this, and there was some study or report or article I read said that there's now on like Twitter, for example, it's now six to one liberal versus conservatives. Because why? Why should we waste our time on a platform that does not want to even hear? or listen to any views that dare to differ than their own. What's the point? Which is why I, I don't care what competitor ends up emerging, you know, if it's Parler or Gab or Rumble, and there's a lot of other people that are trying to put together social media sites that will challenge Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, and so on and so forth, the YouTube and, and whatnot. Um, I, I want to support any of them because as... And, and, and by the way, it, it, it's not necessarily the easiest of decisions. You don't want white nationalist over racist, you know, evil lunatics on there either. So there's got to be, I assume, some level of monitoring of this. 
and but that's part of a business model they will have to build out themselves and but i do believe the in the ability of people to in and of themselves not pay attention to dopey dumb insane people that's true too personal responsibility it's an it's an amazing thing but i just i don't think it brings out the best in people especially right now when everybody's divided and nicely put into the little identity boxes by the left they want to keep us boxed up and so everybody is is just not getting along and it's just not bringing out the best in people you know and i mean i miss seeing my friends and family but to me the stress and the uh, some of the other things that was causing it's a time sucker and stuff like that it just it's just not worth it i hope more people can get off of at least at least facebook because it's just no good so. Yeah, well, we appreciate you being uh, calling in and, and staying on top of it. Yeah, we all miss Rush, Becky. We do. Uh, he's irreplaceable, and um, that's a that's a big void for everybody. All right, back to our busy telephones. Carol, North Carolina, next Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Carol, how are you? Yes, good afternoon, Sean. Thank you for having me on. I was hey, thank you. yesterday. Oh, yes, sir. I was listening yesterday on my way home from work, and there was a discussion about the book uh, Snitches on the Beaches. And um, one of the gentlemen that was speaking, it was a little hard at some points because they kept talking over each other a little bit. But the one guy was saying that he didn't like uh, the book and uh, that it was somehow racially offensive. Well, when the book was written in 61... It was not. It was supposed to be about the the racial issues, not about there being a problem. And the problem I had with what he was saying was that everybody doesn't want to be the same. In other words, what I'm hearing is people don't want to be in a melting pot. They want to be part of a salad where everybody, you know, has their own special part. But I couldn't figure out why he didn't, and he didn't explain it very well from where I stood of why the book was uh, so bad. I don't know if he's saying that if it's, you know, the black folks without the stars or the African-Americans, why would they want the stars? I'm really not sure, but I will agree with what you were saying earlier, that this is getting very crazy, and I am a registered Democrat. I don't want anyone on your show to think to hear that. I guess you would have to call me a centrist or an open-minded thinker. But some of these things, in my opinion have gone way far, and it's a kind of what I call drinking the Kool-Aid that look, I'm personally not interested in doing. Look, if it was as if it was as obvious and transparent, and again, I my kids are older. It's been a long time since I've read Hop on Pop or Green Eggs and Ham or any of these books. Or Goodnight Moon was one of my my kids' favorites back in the day. And I saw I, uh, but I have my team. We're, we're doing a deep dive. And there is the ability to edit out if there's something that now through the prism of, of time and history would be viewed as, quote, insensitive or really, really overtly hurting people's opinions. You could certainly edit that part out and keep the book, the good parts of the book, because this is a popular series. Um, that's part one. And, and the second part of all this, well, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Michelle and Barack Obama never found anything uh, offensive about it so I, I i assume they were familiar with it because they said everything you need to know obama said is you can learn from dr seuss it's like the book everything i needed to learn in life i learned in kindergarten so it, it's you know it's sad that we have really 
really pivotal, important issues, and this is what people spend their time on. And the problem here is it's only getting worse. You know, Mr. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head, just Potato Head. It's, it's, I, I can't even believe we're discussing these things at times, but we are. Carol, God bless you. Thank you. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, so glad you're here. Quick break, right back. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show. Thank you for being with us. 800 941 Sean, you want to be a part of this program. So, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, gave this press conference today. Now, I had a caller to this program yesterday, rightly pointing out, the caller was right, that, well, the poll's still showing like a 47% approval rating, even with all this going on. I said, nah, the impact of this hasn't hit yet. And sure enough, we got a new poll out today. Yeah, the disapproval rating is up to 47.8%. Approval rating is 38%. So Cuomo's approval rating is going way down. So he's, he's just dug his heels in, then saying, I'm not going to resign. Let's play it. I do not believe I have ever done anything in my public career that uh, I uh, am ashamed of. I don't think today is a day for politics. Uh, I wasn't elected by politicians. I was elected by the people of the state of New York. Uh, I'm not going to resign. Which is very reminiscent of, uh, I'm going to get back to, I did not have sex with that woman. I done a single time. I'm going to get back to the working American people. Okay. Well, indeed, I did have an inappropriate relationship with Monica Lewinsky. It was only a couple of times for crying out loud. You got to cut me some slack here. Uh, anyway, joining us now to discuss John McLaughlin uh, and his brother, Jim, uh, one of which is usually on time. One usually shows up late. Uh, they're with McLaughlin and Associates, this poll on Cuomo. Now, you, you couple that with the opening of Texas and Mississippi and the, the, the great, stark and complete difference in the handling of COVID from the vaccine to shutdowns, draconian shutdowns, the handling of it by Republican governors like DeSantis down in Florida, Christy Nome in South Dakota. I mean, I, you can't have a more glaring difference. Uh, I'm not sure John McLaughlin that digging his heels in and showing zero humility is going to help him out here. Uh, absolutely right. And, and Sean, just to be to be honest, to be fully transparent, we've been a longtime pollster for uh Congressman Lee Zeldin, and Lee is now exploring this race, but he's been exploring it. But Governor Cuomo was weak before this, even with the glowing uh, media coverage. And when you think about that, that National uh, Media Research Center poll that Brent Bozell did, where before they learned about the facts about the nursing home scandal in this national sample, he had a 45 to 35 favorable to unfavorable rating nationally. But once they learn, it collapses to 25 and 65, 65 negative. So that means that a lot of people haven't heard about the nursing home scandal. And the clip that you played from his Zoom press conference this year, and remember, the New York press has been, you know, just ter terribly obedient to him all year. They knew about the nursing home scandal earlier this year, and now they're covering, they asked him, all they asked him about was the sex harassment scandal. The sex harassment scandal he can control because the attorney general has to submit to him weekly reports, and they also have to sign off on expenditures for him. But the real scandal that would be covered up is the U.S. attorney and the Justice Department are supposed to be investigating the fact that he lied about the nursing home deaths. 
that last year he ordered COVID-positive patients instead of going to the Javits Center, instead of going to the hospital ship that President Trump had sent. He put them back in nursing homes, and, and, and 50% more, according to the Attorney General's report, 50% more seniors died than he had reported, and they were covering that up. And the news media didn't really cover it until the Attorney General broke that story. So, so his numbers that you saw in the Emerson poll that was taken March 1st, 2nd, his job rating collapses to 38%. He was already weak last uh, uh, December. I saw a statewide poll. He had a 45% unfavorable, and most New Yorkers think he's been there three terms. It's too long. So, uh, uh, you know, he's doubling down on trying to fight to stay in office like his father did back in the 20th century. But New York is, you know, it's still early, but, you know, we've had enough of this. Well, now these calls, Jim McLaughlin, uh, for him to resign, uh, is, is they're getting louder every day. Um, we have, for example, someone, the Working Families Party has now joined the call for Cuomo to resign. You have Democrat Again, Democrats are the ones that are leading the charge here, not Republicans. Uh, the Working yep. Families Party, they backed Cuomo's unsuccessful 2018 primary challenger, Cynthia Nixon, just to point things out, but Andrew Cuomo's reign of fear, harassment, intimidation cannot continue. I I agree with John. I but the problem on on the sexual harassment allegation front is he believed everybody and and he was quick to tell others to resign over sexual harassment claims, Jim. And and he was out there, including uh, Vito Lopez and a bunch of other people. They need and what he said. Well, he actually said there should be a lie detector test and that he believed the accusers in the Kavanaugh case were crying out loud. Is he going to take a lie detector test? Again, the media mob give him a pass. They don't ask him any of these tough questions. Yep. And, and Sean, you're 100% are right. And I've said this. If he was a Republican, he would have been gone a long time ago. Just think what they did to President Trump. The way they went after him on these baseless charges, whether it was Russia, whether it was the Ukraine investigation, whether it was the last impeachment, a total joke. And when you think about Andrew Cuomo, you know, being incompetent, unethical, and a creep, it's a really, really bad sign right now. And he's, he's basically, he's making Bill de Blasio look good. That's how bad that um, Andrew Cuomo has gotten. Think about this. In that Emerson poll, his reelect number was only 36%. That's it, 36%. And the point you make about it's getting worse every day, because it is getting worse every day. And I'll tell you, the media in New York, and forget the national media too, but the media in New York should be ashamed of themselves. Because the only people that have been covering the nursing home scandals, that have been covering, now all of a sudden they're covering these sexual harassment scandals, but it's just been basically Sean Hannity, Fox News, and the New York Post. They're the only ones that were covering the nursing home scandal. And we've seen in our polling, the more people know about it, the less they like Andrew Cuomo. Says he didn't do anything inappropriate. What about the picture, John McLaughlin, of him putting both hands tightly around the neck of this young woman. There are three specific women that make allegations against him. And, and I, I mean, I, I would never consider ever touching anybody that way in my life. I just wouldn't do it. I don't, it's, it's so invasive to me. Um, and I, that, but that's my own personal standards. It's, it's 
sort of like Joe Biden sniffing hair and his creepy back massages and touching and getting in your face and kissing. Oh, it's gross. Well, you see, you were raised right in Nassau County. You know, you came from an Irish family that they didn't allow that. And by the way, with your producer, with Linda McLaughlin, you know, I mean, this is the McLaughlin show today. She should be on. But she wouldn't allow this stuff. So it's like, so Cuomo, what was interesting about that press conference was the first question on the Zoom question call came from Marsha Kramer, very long-time, uh, well-known reporter. Uh, and her question was, well, there's lots of pictures like that uh, around the state over the years with you where you're touching people and hugging them and kissing them. This is not that kind of a picture. This is not that kind of a picture at all. So here comes the cover-up where they're trying to rationalize and equate this, where they, he does this all the time. No, he doesn't. The woman said it was inappropriate. The young woman said she moved her hand off him, and he was, he was trying to kiss her. And, and the, the charges of, uh, from uh, Miss Boylan, who's running uh, for Manhattan Borough President, he said it was an unwanted kiss. So, I mean, the guy should have got a dating app. This is like crazy. And it's just, and they, they're about to give him another free ride and let him survive. But the New York Times, to their credit, has floated these stories. And I like think said, what's happened, though, there's a reason here. If you remember Ron Kim making the statement that he's been intimidated, threatened, bullied by Cuomo. I, and then the journalist that gave a very similar story. My, my suspicion here is this has been percolating for a long time probably well known to those that deal with him in Albany and his staff that this is how they they run things up there and I think probably people now feel strength in numbers and now they feel free to tell the story because they feel offended over time uh, even Democrats now have agreed to remove his emergency powers as it relates to to COVID I, you know then you got the hypocrisy of the media joyless Behar Maybe we should ignore everything about Andrew Cuomo's sexual harassment allegations. I'm like, really? You know, Kirsten Gillibrand, all the I believers, I believers, uh, Kavanaugh's unfit to serve. Nobody's saying it, although even finally, I guess just today or late yesterday, Schumer finally weighed in. A little late for him, considering he's out front on Kavanaugh. So it's I, I think in the end, you got Democrats that always rally around they're fellow Democrats, regardless of what allegation is made. And you got a double standard and mass hypocrisy. Once again, Jim McLaughlin. You know, I just saw Thomas Avenato, who's a Democratic assemblyman there. And this is typical Democratic response. He wants Cuomo to resign now. And why did he say he wants him to resign? Because it's going to hurt him in the elections. That's the problem with the Democrats, Sean, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's immigration whether it's about economic lockdowns, it's always about politics and power with them. And talk about being tone deaf. If you really watched the press conference that Andrew Cuomo just had, it was totally insulting to those three women. I mean, these were the people that said, hey, we've got to believe all accusers and whatnot. And now, because it's one of their own, Andrew Cuomo He's allowed not to believe them. He's allowed to trash the women and basically say, hey, they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, it was a really, really insulting uh, press conference. But the thing is, that's the problem with an Andrew Cuomo. This guy has spent his entire adult life in power in Washington, D.C., or in Albany. He's never had any sort of repercussions. And up to this point, you make the point, Democrats 
weren't speaking out. Now you've got some. But the only reason why they're speaking out against them is because they think it's bad politics. And what you're going to continue to see here is now you've got – I'm down in Florida after the CPAC conference. And, by the way, Sean, everybody at CPAC is, where's Hannity? Where the heck is Hannity? But Hannity time, took the year off. I've been down there too much. No, they needed you down there. It was a great, it was a great event. I think they could do fine without me, but you're very kind. I, lo- I, I love our friends at CPAC. Everywhere you turn down here, you're seeing New Yorkers, and you're talking to New Yorkers because they see how bad the state has gotten, the city has gotten, it's not safe anymore, the economy stinks. So, unfortunately, they're all coming down here to Florida. I mean, it's just a real tragedy, and it's all been on Andrew Cuomo's watch. All right, quick break. Right back. We'll continue with John and Jim McLaughlin, our pollsters. Listen, if you have independent contractor status in terms of tax filing, if you're if you own a small business, uh, let me help you save money. That's one eight hundred account. You just make the switch. You'll save more on taxes, less spend less on accounting. A lot of changes come into the tax code laws. It's all straight ahead. And as we continue, our pollsters, John McLaughlin, Jim McLaughlin, McLaughlin and Associates. What do you think of this new book that came out, John McLaughlin? It's called Lucky, how Joe Biden barely won the presidency and how the Biden camp ran partly on the strategy, quote, you put your dumb uncle in the basement, referring to Joe, uh, and how Joe Biden barely won the presidency and, you know, it was interesting. They, it, you got a guy from NBC News and another guy from The Hill. These, these are not conservatives here uh, talking about how the stars aligned, that they were able to pull this off by hiding. And until the COVID thing came, we were winning 400 electoral votes. They quote a Trump mm-hmm. supporter as saying and from someone from the Trump campaign. And then you got the quote of Anita Dunn that COVID was the best thing that happened to Joe Biden. They used coronavirus as an excuse to keep him in the basement. And it was smart. And Biden was able to hide his biggest weakness, which is himself. And he did it with an excuse that sounded responsible. Um, That pretty harsh language not coming from the conservative media. Right. And it's and it's I think, I think you covered this where you've talked about how he's cognitively impaired. He wouldn't take a, a test uh, for cognitive uh, uh, how you know how he's doing. And everybody can see it. And now, Come on, man, you want me to test you for cocaine? You a junkie, man? Yeah, right. Come on, man. Right. Now they're gloating over it. So they're going to be. So the media was the mainstream media was a willing accomplice in this. Big tech was a willing accomplice in this. And all they wanted was Donald Trump out. And Donald Trump, you know, except for 44,000 votes out of 160 million cast in three states. You know, we lost the clo- the closest electoral vote margin here in in decades. It was closer than what we won by last time. And when you look at eleven thousand votes in Arizona, twelve thousand in Georgia, and twenty thousand in Wisconsin, and now they're trying to cover it up with uh, uh, you know this HR one where they're going to try to change the election laws because they enabled they they, they took that election by these mail in ballots and drop boxes that Zuckerberg paid a half a billion dollars for. And, you know, they weakened voter ID, they weakened signature verification, and you had two-thirds of the votes cast that way. And, and you know, they squeaked it through on that. 
And now they're gloating about it, and sure, they're saying, you know, we had the guy in the basement. And Yeah, it's all true. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program, we'll get to your calls here. Now, Cuomo is he's just digging his heels in, if you missed this earlier in the program today. Uh, I never touched anyone inappropriately. I've never done anything wrong in my public career that I am ashamed of. I'm not going to resign. Well, as the voices of Democrats get louder, listen. I want New Yorkers to hear from me directly on this. First, I fully support a woman's right to come forward. And I think it should be encouraged in every way. I now understand that I acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. It was unintentional, and I truly and deeply apologize for it. I feel awful about it, and frankly, I am embarrassed by it. I'm not in this business to make people uh, feel uncomfortable. I'm here to make them, to help them. That's the essence of what I do, what I do. Um, the, uh, I do not believe I have ever done anything in my public career that uh, I uh, am ashamed of. I don't think today is a day for politics. Uh, I wasn't elected by politicians. I was elected by the people of the state of New York. Uh, I'm not going to resign. Uh, I work for the people of the state of New York. They elected me, and I'm going to serve the people of the state of New York. And by the way, we have a full plate. We have COVID. We have recovery. We have rebuilding. We have a teetering New York City. We have a terrible financial picture. We have to do vaccines. Uh, so, no, um, uh, I'm going to do the job the people of the state elected me to do. Well, it is New York. Who knows if he'll survive or not? You know, it's just like Gavin Newsom out in California. He's uh, at a restaurant. And then uh, again, this is not his first time. He, Paul, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. The restaurant's not supposed to be open, but he's there. And his excuse, well, I didn't know I, I wasn't eating in the restaurant. <laughs> okay, really? What are all those empty plates at your table all about? Unbelievable. Uh, all right, to our busy phones, as we say hi to Bridget, is in the great state of Tennessee. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I wanted to talk to you about the Dr. Seuss thing. Being that, you know, yesterday was his birthday, this week mm-hmm. is Read Across America. And my grandson this week is in the second grade, and each day they read a different book. You know, like um, the first on Monday was Cat in a Hat, and they wore crazy hats. Yesterday was Fox and Socks, and they wore crazy socks, and they fixed their hair different. Today's Wacky Wednesday, and he was wearing his his clothes inside out, and tomorrow's Green Eggs and Ham. So it really bothers me because that this is going on with the cancel culture because it's so important for everyone to learn to read. And if Dr. Seuss encourages you know, children and even, you know, adults to read. I, I don't see the harm in any of uh, of what's going on. So, and, and I don't understand why it's it's such a big deal and why why do it, you know. Well, I, look, I looked at, birthday. for example, the, the, I, I've been asking and not getting answers to, and my team has been researching, 
Because I got to be honest, Bridget, it's been a while. My, you know, my kids uh, are, much, uh, are older now. They're not, they're not in grammar school. They're not young. They're not in preschool. So green eggs and ham and hop on pop days and good night moon uh, are done for me. But, uh, but as a grandparent, I can hear the pain in your voice. You know, if there is a thing or two that they want to edit out, filter out, you know, based on changing societal norms and not offend people, I don't, just edit it. It's you don't have to cancel it because it's not even you're talking about minutia. Look, if, if it was that obvious, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden wouldn't have been out there recommending these books up until this week. Uh, but the fact is they all used it and they all saw a benefit of it. And and Obama himself went the furthest, saying everything you need to know and learn about how to treat people you learn from Dr. Seuss. So there's certainly a better way to handle these things. Um, and and what I saw that there was one picture of Michelle Obama and good for her. You know, I think any any work people do with kids and I consider kids, you know, in any school, even when they're in college, they're kids to me. Anything you can do to make kids better people. She was spending time. She was reading the one of the books, I guess, Hop on Pop. And all the kids had the Hop on Pop character hat on and Hop on Pop and a couple of Dr. Seuss characters, you know, like they dress up at Disney were there. And it was it was cool for the kids. They had a great time. And I just think that's that's all a good thing. And, you know, if it's 99 percent good, but you want to change one thing, all right, go ahead and change it. I, I still, to the second this day, I don't get the whole Mr. Potato Head thing. And I still don't understand Hasbro's position on it because they're still going to call it Mr. Potato Head, even though they said they weren't going to call it Mr. Potato Head. They're still going to keep Mrs. Potato Head, and then they're just going to call it all Potato Head. I mean, okay, I, I can't keep up with, with all of this. And it's, it's, it's amazing how we're digging, people are digging their heels in here. Um, and how about we just let the kids you teach the kids the basics This is the fundamentals for me. Now, you can't mention God in your grandson's public school. Right. But you, the golden rule is what? Love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul and your neighbor as yourself. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Simple stuff. Um, you don't use bad names. You don't curse like Linda. Things like that. I was waiting for a response. Didn't get one. Yeah, really? Uh, I'm like, we're talking about Dr. Seuss here. I do not I'm curse teasing. when I read Dr. Seuss. It rhymes does, with nothing. Does Liam like Dr. Seuss books? I have every Dr. Seuss book ever written. Yeah. and I, Every I, single I, one, and he loves I, them. And I've been looking through, you know, what people, they're not giving us enough information online, to be honest. And I, I read the New York Post today, and they had one, I guess this is from, which which one was this from here? I'm trying to get. Um, I don't remember which one it was from. One of the books, final chapters. Anyway, it had it says as a as a picture of somebody who is Asian, a Chinese man who eats with sticks. Now, I took that to mean, and and maybe you would want to say, and uh, somebody who's Asian. Okay, you go to a Chinese restaurant, you get chopped sticks. And it's different than how we eat with a knife and a fork. So a kid would learn, oh, they 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 eat their dinner with a, with these sticks. By the way, whoever can do a good job of that, God bless you, because I cannot figure it out for the life of me. Can I have a fork, please? 
Thank you. Yeah, I've actually sat there and been with you during those moments. They're not, they're not proud <laughs> moments. I, I think you actually one time tried to teach me. I just don't have the patience to, I don't know why. I like my fork. I like a spoon. Um, but I do. I th- as I looked at that, I looked, okay, let me look at this from stand back and from every perspective. Do I think that this was in any way intended to be offensive to anybody? Got the biggest smile on, on the face of the character, having fun, and, and, and kids are learning that other people in other parts of the world eat food differently than the way we eat food. Did you see, see that one? Here's the point, right? So when my son reads, I heard it down on Mulberry Street or Hop on Pop, or last night we read Cat in the Hat, you know, and they're celebrating, you know, learning to read at school. And these are the words and the rhymes, you know, we right now they're learning the days of the week, singing it to the theme and the melody of the Adams Family song. And, you know, all of these things are just various mnemonics, the rhyming and so on and so forth to help a kid learn. My son in no way, shape or form, and I assume many of these other children, you know, kids are not born with hate in their heart. That's not how they're made. They just come into this world. They like each other. They want to play games with each other. You know, some kids get along, some kids don't. But it's not the same way that adults do it. It's not based on race and gender and you have this and I don't. It's it's just not about that. We are placing those sorts of ideas on our kids. And our kids have no idea. They're not doing that. My there son's not going out there saying I don't remember. I think it was from the Mulberry Street one where I I took it to mean that they were talking about people that ride on camels. Now, if you grow up in America, guess what? You drive in a car or a bicycle or whatever. You don't. That, have there, you read that whole book? I have read that whole I book have about not a thousand read, times. Of with course my child. not. I'm, I, I, what do you think I have time to read? For, but seriously, you know, hop like, on pop for. Th- let me tell you what my son remembers from that book. Okay, we talk about all the different things he sees on Mulberry Street, and then he goes, "Look at that, mommy." He didn't tell his daddy about any of that stuff because it didn't happen. He's not like, look at the cultural appropriation on page 12, mom. Did you see that? No, but, but, but think about it. I looked at it a different way, and I guess everything's open to interpretation, is that it, whether or not a Chinese man who eats with sticks, a big magician doing tricks, okay, and pulling a, a rabbit out of a hat, okay. Then you got, in, in this particular case, you know, it, it talks about, I'll capture them fat, I'll capture them scrawny, I'll capture a scragglefoot uh Mulliga Tawny. Uh high stepping animal fast as the wind from the blistering sands of the desert of Zind. Okay, so you read that and then it's a picture of a camel and, and somebody riding on a camel. Was uh, was that designed to be educational? I, I took it, oh, maybe you're teaching a kid there are other modes of transportation than mom's Mercedes or SUV or, you know, whatever the heck anybody's driving these days, right? Exactly right. You know, what you drive in, what you eat for dinner, the music you listen to, the clothes you wear, the religion you practice, it's not the way it's done all around the world. And this is how we expose our children to it. This is how we teach our kids. We teach them in ways that they can consume. If now, there were if things people that were want to books, change it. Right. If there were things that were written in 1928, 1935, 1945, 1955 that are not appropriate in 2021, no problem. Change it. Edit it. Edit it. Take it out. Or don't cancel a whole person. Yeah, exactly. Just take out the books that are not appropriate. You want to cancel six books? Fine. But they want to say that this guy is some evil monster. No, he's not an evil monster. He wanted to get kids to learn and read. And he did it the best way he knew how in the time that he did it. All right. Thank you for a good call. We appreciate your call. Uh, Oh, you're welcome. Not your call. (laughs) I'm talking about Bridget. 
Uh, let's say hi to who's next here. Lynn is in North Carolina. Hey, Lynn, how are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. I have a statement and a question. Well, first okay. I have to say, Dr. Seuss, it's a little hard to, to uh, cancel Dr. Seuss. He's in the, everyone's memory all over the world. But cancel culture is anti, to me, anti-freedom of speech, anti-freedom of thought, anti-freedom of belief. So ultimately, those who promote cancel culture will be canceled because the only place for this to all end up is a society that's anti-individual and dependent on a system to tell them what to say, what to think, what to believe. And as far as I know, that's communism. And my question is, do you think that's what cancel culture wants? Do they know better? I, I think that there is there's a lot of motives of a lot of people here and the level of inconsistency is breathtaking hypocrisy and selective moral outrage. I don't believe for a minute, and this is a great question, that everybody is as outraged as they act. You know, oh, I can't believe, I'm shocked, I'm shocked Donald Trump tweeted. I just, I don't believe it. The greatest example of what I mean, look at this whole issue of sexual harassment, allegations against Andrew Cuomo compare the reaction of democrats i believe i believe i believe i believe where are the where's the i believer caucus now many of them are silent they're certainly not as passionate if they get shamed into finally saying something and i i think what you have is you call it a culture war culture battle culture struggle etc etc but it in the end it's about liberty and it's about freedom and I don't want to live in a society where everybody's so offended at things that aren't really that offensive to them, but they act offended and they then they'll act more offended if it's somebody in the opposition party than, than somebody in their own party. So I'm not buying all of this, this feigned outrage of people over these things. And this could be very easily resolved if they wanted to in a sensible way. And in a commonsensical way, which is all too uncommon, and they just don't want to. Now, as far as control, yeah, I think I think we people want us to think a certain way, to act their way, to uh, conform to their ever changing radical standards. Um, and there's there's a lot of things. There's a lot of truth in what you're saying here, and and that is that oh, you're ostracized. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight, our investigative report on the border. Yes, there is a crisis. Yes, it's worse than we thought. Uh, We'll have a full report on that. Also, Mark Morgan, Lara Logan, Miranda Devine, Tammy Bruce. We'll check in with former Secretary of State Pompeo tonight, Candace Owens, and much, much more. All coming up, set your DVR, Hannity, 9 Eastern, Fox News. That's all the time we have for today. We'll see you tonight, back here tomorrow. And as always, thank you for being with us.